This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Are Ipswich's automatic promotion hopes dwindling, or is there more to come from town? Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast following the fortunes of Ipswich Town since 2015. My name is Craig Fimbo and I'm joined by two fellow North Enders, Seb Brown and Mikey Penty-Smith. Mikey, how are you? Purely concentrating on away matches at the beginning of the year after your trip to Wimbledon. How was yesterday and how have you been? Yeah, uh, yesterday was was all right. Um Aside from that first 45 minutes of football, I'd say it was nice to see a new ground and um, have a day out with friends and see some familiar faces. Good to see Keeper Moore, of course. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty depressing result, wasn't it? Yeah, we might we might go uh, go through it in a little bit more detail in a in a little bit. Um, Seb, how are you? How was your uh, journey and how was your chauffeuring? Uh, how were your chauffeuring exploits this week? Roads were fine. The the company, as always, was questionable. Um, Deepdale became my most visited game outside, of, uh, sorry, ground outside of Portman Road this weekend. It was my seventh trip there, plus the preseason wow. game. So my eighth trip there across the years. And yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully, I won't have to do it again next year. Oh crikey! That's the first time I've ever been there. Was was yesterday? Oh, so, yeah. See, for me, other than Stoke, it's pretty much my closest game. So it would be rude not to after after all those years. So. Oh, brilliant stuff. Oh, good good work. Um, good evening to everyone that's uh, watching live. We are, as ever, live on YouTube and will be available after the event on YouTube and also your podcast search engine of choice. Um, I've put a few uh, hellos up in, in, the, uh, in the chat underneath. But, yeah, so say hello. And then, obviously, as ever, if you want to um, get a question in for the guys to go through and answer a little later on, please do. Please, as ever. Stick a cue at the beginning, and it sort of helps me find it as we plough away through uh, the match and bits and pieces like that. But as ever, we'll do it towards towards the end, back end of the pod. Um, 
In terms of news, we'll go through uh, before we get round to talking about the match. Um, after 61 appearances and six goals, it was announced that Lee Evans was to leave town um, for a chance to play somewhere else, hopefully before the end of the season, once he gets up to speed and gets back to, uh, to fitness, which will obviously look after him while he's doing so. Seb, a sad day for your fellow countrymen, um, but an important piece of a promotion jigsaw. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the latest one of these, what did Joe term them as? Promotion babies, was it? He, he kind of used the phrase in our Telegram group a few weeks ago. And every time one departs, there is, I guess, a tinge of of sadness. He was the, he was the second signing, wasn't he, of Game Changer after Wes Burns, I think. It was the one that everybody knew was going to happen because obviously he played under Paul Cook at, at Wigan and was very well known to him. And yeah, he, he was an important part throughout the various seasons. He always only managed half a half a year with us. You know, that was the mm. problem. The, the first season got the hat-trick against Doncaster with <laughs> under, under Cook under the lights, which I thought was going to get us up and running that system it was that season never really happened got a bad injury in the february time i think but the the first half of last season is probably his, his best spell for us wasn't it alongside morsey up until he i think he picked up an injury kind of in the in the autumn when we were down to bare bones until we managed to get luongo across the line and yeah a classy player you know those those big switches the passing range probably unlike anybody else in the squad i would suggest at the time he could make those big switches out to either flank sitting slightly deeper added a bit of physicality bit of a set piece threat from from corners, he you know scored a penalty. I remember away at Morecambe, we'd missed a penalty in the game, and he scored the he scored a second penalty that day to get us across the line. And yeah, another player who has contributed and now has moved on. He about a month away from fitness, I think they said, isn't he? And I think we all expected him to be released in the in the summer. You know, he played one game this year at Huddersfield in the league when Morsey was sitting out with a five match suspension and he, he did look slightly off it but he's a different player to Morsey so that's not entirely unexpected and I guess we we all thought there'd be a parting of the ways in the summer we knew somebody had to drop out of the squad there was ummings and ahrings over you know would you deregister a Luco would, would Dominic Ball move on and in the end it's, it's releasing him to give him a chance to get up to fitness in a month's time and hopefully go out and win himself a contract at a league one league two maybe a maybe a lower in championship club and He's only is he thirty one? I think he's not that old. Is he thirty one, no. thirty two? So he's still got a bit of a bit of football left in him. And obviously, we we wish him well. A, a key part of vital times in the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. But as, as you say, a vital part at times of the season, but only up until about January yeah. time when his knee tends to tended to fall, fall to pieces. Unfortunately, yeah. for the guy. But Mike, he was just one of those solid, solid characters, wasn't he? You could just tell from the way he spoke and tell by the way he was in and around the club that he's just definitely one of those tick tick the box um characters that every football club needs that you can hang your hat on but just unfortunately he i think that the step up that we've made similar to some of our players who will probably find over the next 6 months maybe to a year our ceiling as we've spoken about others is probably going high and possibly our physicality and the need for a bit more mobility in midfield is you know allowed us to let him go yeah, unfortunately, we'll, we'll never know, will we, if, if he was capable of making that that step up. And I know McKenna had said at some point that he was hoping that that he could improve in the same way that, that Sam Morsey has. And he was such an intelligent player and he was a good technical mm. player, a good physical presence as well, wasn't he? So, he, I mean, he didn't have that sort of turn of pace and um, maybe was lacking the mobility that was needed. But but who knows, he might he might have found a role. He but this year especially he just badly needed just a run of games and staying fit and the unfortunate thing is he would have had a hell of a lot of games had he <laughs> had he not had that injury with with everything that's gone on he could have been a really important player for us especially over the christmas um period but 
yeah, he carried on doing the, the, the work in the community as well. I kept seeing mm. him pop up on social media doing things, uh, bits and bobs over the last few weeks. And and there was absolutely no bitterness at all from him. Um, he was quite emotional, I think, uh, on social media um, when the time did come for him to move on. Yeah. And I'd say he'll, like everybody else in that squad, um, they leave with everyone's everyone's best wishes, don't they? Oh, yes. Um, and in terms, obviously, the transfer window slammed shut uh, during the week. Um, it's been covered in some detail uh, by the pod by virtue of um, individual uh, pods about individual players. And also Joe and I did a bit of a roundup uh, on transfer deadline evening. Um, I think, Mikey, you're the only person we haven't really heard about in regards to the dealings of the January transfer window. Do you want to just give us a, a quick overview of how you saw things bearing in mind we'll talk about at least two of the guys uh, that signed in a little bit yeah well it, I mean it, it was a frustrating month wasn't it because it was it just went on and on and on forever but I think at the start we I think we were all in agreement that we needed two strikers and that was that was the thing that we most needed and we managed to pick up a a, a really serviceable championship midfielder as well mm. um and and then we've brought in a little bit more flair at the attacking end with Sarmiento as well. It was a shame that it went to to deadline day, but that was probably always going to happen, wasn't it? The the so many moving parts. It would have been nice to get Gallagher. I think we're all in agreement on that. But but yeah, I, I was pleased that we we managed to get Kiefer Moore and Al Hamadi could be a, a really important player for us as well in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it was quite interesting to listen to the Kiefer Moore interview, which I didn't get to listen to until after Joe and I had spoken about, but he sort of intimated that it had been a, a deal that had potentially been in the in the workings for a little while um, before it actually came to fruition right towards the end. As you say, Michael, they just we just have no idea about the number of complexities and implications and yeah. intricacies and how everything's linked to each other and knock-on effects like buying a house, isn't it? You just don't know how many how many links are in that chain before it actually gets down to the one that you're interested in. So, yeah, I think yeah. It, I think the the um, the feeling in the chat that evening as well was it's, it was a very positive transfer window. So now it just transpires how that pans out between now and uh, hopefully very early, very early May. So let's move on to the weekend. Let's move on to our trip up north to Deepdale, where we were hopefully looking for a bit of a reaction to um, last week's match, which we no longer uh, speak about. Um, the town team had two changes to the last league game that we played. Um, Sam Morsey came in uh, in the centre midfield, replacing uh, Travis, and Sarmiento came on for came in for Marcus Harness after a couple of decent, um, <coughs> excuse me, cameo appearances for for Sarmiento. Um, and both Harness and Travis dropped down to the bench, and probably the. Um, the key take from this was the, as I said earlier, the two strikers being on the bench, um, Kiefer Moore, uh, Ali Alhamidi, both been on the bench. Anything in that lineup, Seb, that particularly surprised you or anything you'd have potentially done differently? No, me and Rich discussed it on the on the pre-match show and the two areas we were unsure about was the left-hand attacker and the and the central striker. We both kind of agreed that Sarmiento probably deserved a start given his equaliser against Leicester, his goal against Maidstone. Broadhead's not really been back at full races as he recently for the last kind of mm-hmm. month or six weeks or so. So no surprise to see Sarmiento come in from the start there. And then it was the the number nine position. I've seen a lot of stuff today on, on kind of social mm-hmm. media and stuff that, you know, we should have started Kiefer Moy. We would have won the game if he'd, if he'd 
started. But like me and Rich kind of debated, you know, I I thought he might do it. Rich said he'll go for Jackson and McKenna being the methodical, well thought through process driven manager he is, I think was always obviously going to play the striker who's had a full week's worth of training, who's integrated into our patterns of play, who knows his roles in the 11. We've got to remember that Alhamdi was still in Qatar as of, was it Tuesday, Wednesday? So barely had any game, any time on the training pitch, more signed. And, and injured Thursday. as well with a knock. And injured, yeah. yeah. At the time. yeah. yeah. More signs Thursday afternoon. They probably travel up Friday morning. Um, so, yeah, to, to throw him in, I think, would have been very un-McKenna-ish. So, not really surprised if Jackson start at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we kicked off and... <laughs> I'd rather say we started quite slowly, but um, we didn't have time to start very slowly. But within pretty much the first minute of the game, um, Liam Miller had had a an opportunity down the left, which he sort of sliced into the crowd on the volley. Um and even I think from that first goal kick after that uh, chance, you could see the Preston, the Preston press, the Preston press was pretty aggressive and pretty intense. They had almost six of their players lined up along our 18-yard box, um, waiting to pounce on whether it be our centre halves, our centre midfielders, or or our fullbacks. And Mikey, it was a bit of a, a double whammy. And in the first seven or eight minutes, we find ourselves in this. Spot of bother. Yeah, like you say, immediately trying to play out from the back and from quite far back in the away stand. Like I wasn't indeed you were, Craig. I think you were the the row behind. You could see the pitch was really, really bad, couldn't you? Really, really Mm. patchy. And it just the ball was just sticking and it looked heavy. So that makes playing out from the back a little bit more difficult because passes around the corner are going to be harder. The ball sticks under your feet a little bit more when you when you initially bring it under control. So even somebody who, with a first touch as good as Sam Wolsey, is going to struggle now and again getting the ball out of his feet so he can make the pass nice and quickly. <coughs> Quite often, like a lot of teams have 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 done that to us, and they've really you can tell that they've spent all week on the training ground trying to counteract up, trying to counteract us playing out from the back. And sometimes that can work in your favour because they're bringing themselves really high up the pitch and committing bodies forward, which should give us space higher up the pitch. However, we were just struggling to execute it. We were playing out as we normally do. Um, So this one, Will Keane sort of reads the pass um, really well into the feet of Morsey, doesn't he? He sees it coming, but he does kind of come through the back of Morsey. Um, Potentially a foul there. Um, It was sort of a 50-50. And then... Uh, Luongo goes in for a 50-50, doesn't he? Was it Potts that he went in for that challenge? Right in the middle of the pitch, just, yeah. Just unfortunate that he he came out second best. He's he's made the lunge at the right time and it's bounced into the feet of Will Keane. Now, Will Keane, from 30 yards out, I'm not overly concerned about him as he, he's a really elegant footballer, but he doesn't, for a striker, doesn't have a fantastic shot on him and he's completely scuffed it. But I think because Edmondson is kind of getting his body set to try and block it with his upper body or something like that, he's planted his feet, which has meant that because the ball's come so slowly, he's had just about enough time to react to it, but not enough time to actually get his foot in front of the ball. So he's deflected it. And I'm from where I was stood, Craig, it looked the ball looked like it was going way wide. Hmm. And unfortunately, Edmondson has just made a connection to it and it didn't lose any pace, but it completely changed the direction. And Hladke has managed to react to it, but couldn't get to it. So yeah, that was um, that was one nil, um, and just a nightmare start. I mean, that 
we haven't scored the first game, uh, the first goal in a league game since the the Norwich game now. Um, yeah. And it and conceding early goals has been quite a constant thing as well. Um, probably dating back to the the West West Brom defeat back in I think November, wasn't it? It seems to just be something that we just can't can't shift at the moment. Yeah, we seem to struggle to these slow starts. We don't seem to be able to shake off, don't we? And it, even if we don't happen to concede early, and I'll I'll give you a, a stat after you've gone through the second goal, but it, it just seems to be for some reason we just seem to be sluggish. And you know we know that we're very good at <clears throat> excuse me coming back from goals down, but I'm sure there's the stat, isn't there, that the teams that score first in matches tend to win them what, 70, 80 percent of the time. So you don't really want to be going behind. I'm sure it's something they're looking at, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Hot on the heels of a heavily, heavily, heavily deflected goal from one potentially one corner of the goal to the other, uh, we find ourselves two down three minutes later. Yeah, and the way we lost the ball here just felt like it was just so typical of the entire first half, where we've we've got up into the Preston half, and just our passing was just way off it, and our touch mm. was way off it, and I think it's maybe I think it was Burns that loses possession or between Burns and Chaplin they lose possession but we're safely up in the in the Preston half um and it's played up to to Will Keane on the half turn and he does this really well he takes the ball in the half turn and immediately plays a nice through ball to the attacker um it's Reese isn't it but he's a good two yards offside Edmondson has stepped up yeah we can we can see it there like we've actually played that quite well and you can yeah. see Miller on the left-hand side of the screen is thinking, ah, we've, I'm offside here. We've, I'm offside, and this is probably the end of this move because he can also see that his mate is offside as well. Edmondson's done a good job of stepping up. <laughs> Unfortunately, the linesman, even though he's perfectly placed and he's concentrating, didn't see it. Edmondson then does really, really well to to get back. He covers up the ground really well as Reese is trying to slow himself down and compose himself for the finish. And I think it might have crossed Edmondson's mind to slide in. But I mm. think that was his only hope of making a tackle. And he probably thought already one, one nil down and what, how many minutes into the game were we? It was less than 10 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. Was eight, I think thinking, eight minutes. Yeah. He, yeah, I, I guess he felt like he couldn't commit and risk um, mm. the, the penalty. And as it is, um, he just <laughs> just pokes it beautifully. Effortlessly. Yeah, pokes the ball past Ladke. A really composed finish, you could say, from from Edmondson there. And yeah, yeah and, two, and, and two th- nil. And yeah, I think we were all in disbelief, weren't we? Yeah, very much so. Because you know we've seen us come back from one nil before, and we, so I don't think there was much panic in the crowd, especially doing it that early. You think, well, we've got an entire match now to to get back into, and I think there was an awful lot of positivity going into the game on the back of, of um, well, recent league performances in any case. Um, but the thing is, from the offside decision, what exacerbated it being an obvious offside was that Edmondson was travelling up the pitch. So it, it would have ma- it would have um, magnified the, the fact that it was offside, you would have thought, from a, from a linesman's perspective. But And these are, <coughs> excuse me, these are Premier League officials as as I'm led to believe, um, but as you as you rightly say, it's two nil, and we do concede a lot. Um, and Dan in our Telegram group put a fact stroke stat in there earlier on today, saying that we've now conceded nine goals in the first ten minutes of matches, which is the worst record in the league. Um, so, 
you know, we're our own worst enemies in that respect. And I'm sure it's something that we are trying to put right as a as a group. And it transpires remains to be seen whether that's uh, that comes to fruition or not. The rest of the the rest of the half really, as you as you said, Mikey, it was very um obvious that our passes just were not reaching their intended recipients. Well, there was plenty of plenty of times that Burns had the ball, for example, and was looking and Burns isn't renowned for his the subtlety of his pass at the best of times. He does tend to give them a bit of oomph. And they just didn't seem to be getting to their intended recipient. Same with um Luongo. I thought I had a, a pretty ropey, certainly first 25, 30 minutes of the half. Morsey was getting caught on the ball. How much was that was down to performance? How much of that was down to the press of Preston? How much of that was down to the pitch? Or a combination of all three, who knows? Um, but it wasn't really until the 30th minute that we started to put a little bit of our normal um, passing movement together. Preston were continuing to press, but weren't really creating too much themselves. Um, until such time, Seb, I say talk about the Preston press. It strikes again just before 40 minutes. Yeah, when when things aren't going well, it's um it it really goes against you, isn't it? So Wolfenden's got the ball on the right hand side outside of the area, plays it back to Hladky, and as you said, you know we saw Reese and Keane and uh, Frocky Jansen were just going in, weren't they? On the two centre halves, they were constantly putting them under pressure. Reese is chasing the ball down. Hladky finds Morsey pretty much in the in the D, isn't he? And and Jensen is just there on him straight away, and he we've seen Morsey do it so many times, isn't he? Where he'll kind of take it on the half turn, drop a shoulder, beat his man look to drive up up the pitch but I think he's probably you know looking to find Wolfenden again and kind of Wolfenden's moved into a little bit of space that's been vacated by uh by Reese running in but Frocky Jensen gets a, a touch on the ball obviously Morsey then reacts well and goes into slide to try and make the block and when your luck's out it's out they get a bit of a kind kind of falling of the ball Will Keane is then obviously running in and slots it home and at, at that point you're thinking you know a lot of people around me were, were cursing the playing out from the back and you do kind of feel like saying have you seen how we've played football for the last kind of you know two years under McKenna this is this is what we do we can't go long down the centre of the pitch because their centre halves are 6-2 6-3 and that's not Caden Jackson's game so as per Watford you know we've given a goal away there in, in, in mid-December and come back and got the result that night last night no, yesterday we, we obviously didn't come back we lose the game but it's only two goals conceded from playing out the back in you know 18 months whatever it's going to be now so it's not something that happens overly you know overly a lot and and we've scored as McKenna said so many goals have come from us starting off by playing out the back it's just how we play football it's high risk high reward that one goes against us and I think at that point at 3-0 we're all kind of a bit shell-shocked in the stand, weren't we? Like you said, at 1-0, you're still pretty confident. 2-0, okay, we're 2-0 down, but we've still got 80 minutes plus stoppage time of the game to go, so you never know. But 3-0 in the 39th, 40th minute, whatever it was going to be, that looked a, a long, long way home. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll when we get to the the end of the match, I'll ask you guys some, some questions about that. And there's some questions already, uh, or some comments already in the chat in regards to um, how we play and potentially how we potentially want to change things um, during matches, but we'll, we'll come to that. Um, in terms of the rest of the half, not an awful lot more happened. Um, I think we had a, Clark had a shot, I think pretty much our first shot, we stabbed wide just in injury time in the first half. Um, and that was pretty much all she wrote. In terms of the stats, they're pretty damning from our perspective. I'll pop them up on the screen for those of you who are, who are watching. Um, what do you think, Mikey, potentially our worst half of football under Kieran McKenna so far? We've got an XG. I know people don't like XG, but an XG of 0.17, which does 
tell the tale of of the match that was unfolding before our eyes. Um, Preston have had an awful lot more shots than we did, albeit maybe not too many clear cut um, shots. But going three 0 up on the back of an xG just over 0.5 goals, but it, it wasn't a great half of football. No, and it was yeah easily the worst um, half of football I've seen under under Kieran McKenna and I just don't think that we managed the 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 game or the conditions well at all you you could see that what a sticky half mm. of the pitch that was um and we just didn't play the conditions at all there was one quite early on where where Burns got played in behind down the right and went to play a first time ball and if you like on the Portman Road pitch and at King Power yeah d- by all means, do that. But on a pitch like that, where you can't guarantee how the ball is going to bounce up, you just have to play, just have to take a touch and just play slightly safer. And I think, I mean, it's difficult to play safe when you when you go behind because you you want to be even more aggressive. But yeah, I was I was quite worried at half time that we were going to have to go all out attack in the in the first half and we were going mm. to leave ourselves massively exposed at the back I, I could see us conceding more goals the way the way things were going and yeah Preston had a really good tactical plan and they activated it quite well and obviously had um a lot of luck um <laughs> and we didn't deserve any luck with just the way that we were playing we just weren't doing the basics right at all um but then there is that in the back of your mind you're thinking that Kieran McKenna is so good at at getting a reaction out of out of the team, and so often we come out in the second half and and we're a completely different outfit. So that was kind of in the back of my mind. But apart from looking forward to seeing Keeper Moore come on, um, I was kind of thinking this game is probably lost. Yeah, and it, and it probably would have needed a, a very early goal in the second half if we were yeah. to um, change it around. As you <coughs> as you say about seeing Kiefer Moore, I don't think it was much of a surprise to anybody in the crowd that he went through a, a more um, intensive warm-up through um, half-time than the rest of his substitute teammates. And indeed, was the substitute made at half-time? He came on for Caden Jackson, and within, I think... 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds of the half starting. He had won a header, which he probably didn't have any right um, to have done. He certainly wasn't the favourite to have won it. And there's a, a, a concerted effort of pressure now from us. Um, Leif Davis has a, re- a very, very clever free kick uh, just outside the box to the left on his side where yeah, I, I think Oscar season is, is a, upon us, isn't it? We're certainly around film award time and he did very much a um he didn't give the goalkeeper the ice, he gave the goalkeeper the full I am going to cross it over there towards Kiefer Moore um arm suggestions and then clipped it around the edge of the edge of the wall and unfortunately for us hit the post and came came back out. Um fifty minutes, this is when the crosses start coming in. There's a there's a cross from Burns onto Moore's head, there's a cross from Davis onto Moore's head. And for those of you that either weren't there or, or didn't get uh, to see it online or or how we how we tend to watch the matches, it was a transformation from the first half in terms of having a presence up front. And it's no disrespect to Caden Jackson. Caden Jackson is what Caden Jackson is. He does. He has his strengths, etc. What his strengths aren't is, as I said earlier, winning headers that he has no right to win, and also holding off a couple of defenders um, at once, which is obviously something that um, George Hurst can do as well. But the crosses then started to rain into the Preston box. Now, there was some thought and uh, intelligence behind the crosses that were put in, but all of a sudden we had something to aim at and you could see there was a, 
a surge of positivity going through both the crowd and indeed um, the players. Sadly, that that early goal just didn't just didn't come. Um, and as I say, it just as time is ticking on, uh, it's getting less and less likely that we'd be able to turn it around. Um, however, we made a couple of subs. Uh, Sarmiento and Chaplin came on uh, for Broadhead and sorry. Simeonto chapter went off for Broadhead and Hutchinson. Um, and then talk me through this, Seb. The uh Vasclav Hlanky <laughs> back pass from Sa- what a right was the time. What a shit show that was. Yeah, the- complete cluster F, wasn't it? Yeah, we got away with one there. I know we were yeah. cursing the officials in the first half for the lack of the offside and maybe the foul on Morsey in the build-up to the first goal, but we completely got away with one there. He passed it out to Morsey, did he takes the return? And is he trying to do a drag back to kind of yeah. beat his man and try air shots basically, doesn't he? Yeah, completely messes that up and then he realizes and I thought he'd brought the guy down from where I was viewing it. So I thought we got away with that one on the replay. It's quite clear, isn't it? He just pushes it away to Morsey who plays it out wide. So it's a an indirect free kick. What? five yards dead central in the middle of the goal is what it should have been but thankfully the fairly hapless officiating went in our went in our favor that time because that was a, a real nightmare if that if that had gone in if, if he does the the drag back and it goes wrong and they tap the, the ball home it kills all of our momentum doesn't it and it's it's two errors playing out from the back so the picture probably looks a lot different so we have to thank the officials a little bit there for being completely hapless for both Preston and ourselves yeah, absolutely. And there was also a, a kick in the face for our captain in the first half, um, for which he got spoken to by the referee and then pushed off the pitch by the referee because he was bleeding from the face, having been kicked in the face. Um, and then the game just carried on with him off the pitch for 30 seconds, as he's as the referee is bound to do, because he didn't bother booking the guy who'd kicked our captain in the face, resulting in blood coming from his face there wasn't um, a single booking was there in the game he, he didn't he was, just, didn't he book was determined anything. he was determined to not make any bookings and that and it can be a good thing to have a ref that that doesn't want to stop the play and, and give out bookings but it just became absolutely ridiculous he, he just didn't want to make a decision and the the Hladke one is absolutely ludicrous like mm. what has he seen there mm. like yeah. i'm not angry about it because obviously it it would have been against us but what has he like, what does he think he's seen for yeah. it not to be uh, an indirect free kick and and ascending off? Like, just absolutely <laughs> bizarre. But yeah, and an indirect free kick from about a foot off the uh, goal line that'd have been fun. <laughs> right, just a quick one here, Lewis. If you're back, we're going to go through um, the first goal. So hopefully you're you're back by now, um, Mikey. After this pressure and after these crosses in the box, um, eventually. Maybe a bit too late on 75, we get a goal back. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to take us back um, half an hour, um, Craig, to half time. I was watching Kiefer Moore going through this warm up, and it was quite interesting to me that he was being given um, cutbacks and he was just tapping them into an empty net. Um, I don't know if that was just to, to get his eye in or, or, or maybe just getting used to the pitch. That's mm. um, not a bad plan, is it? Um, but it was quite funny how all of those cutbacks were on the ground. And then as soon as he comes on, everything that goes towards Keeper Moore is, is an aerial um, ball into the box. But but yeah, this one was, uh, wasn't, it wasn't Morsey's best day, but this was a really good interception from him. Um, really typical Sam Morsey play down the right channel. And he drives forward, plays it into Broadhead. And it looks like Broadhead could, might potentially be in, but it kind of closes out to him. And he takes a, a nice recovery touch and, um, pushes the ball out onto the left, plays the ball down for for Leif Davis, and when we don't have a keeper more on the pitch, 
or a George Hurst. Or to be honest, even when we have got George Hurst, this has to be a whipped in ball, probably on the ground, maybe just at, at chest height. But because it's key for more, this is a much easier skill. You just chip it up into the air and it loops over onto the back post. And I think I heard a few people sort of groan as the ball came into the box because typically chipped balls into the box are completely useless for us. But then in comes Kiefer Moore from absolutely nowhere, just smashes through two defenders and just beautifully heads the ball down into the goal. I've seen somebody in the chat um, compare it to Paul Mariner. Hmm. Um, I couldn't, well, I've seen seen footage of Paul Mariner. I think it's a it's a fair comparison. Um, reminded me of goals from James Scowcroft in the late nineties as well, where he's just bundled in at the back post. Um, but yeah, gave us gave us hope. But at this stage, it's really really important that we then built on it almost straight away, wasn't it? And as we're going to get onto, that just didn't happen. No, sadly not. But there, there was literally nothing was going to stop Kiefer Moore from heading no. that ball <laughs> into the goal, was there? You, you could just see it from a mile off. He was going to take everything with him if it needed to, and he was going to he was going to get that ball into the goal one way or another. Um, and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether you need a VPN to protect you while online, to allow you to change your worldwide location virtually, or maybe a bit of both, NordVPN gives you the freedom to do so. NordVPN also allows you to stream TV shows, films and even sporting events which aren't available in your local region, changing to a country which is showing that content, meaning you can switch as seamlessly as a Kira McKenna in-game tactical tweak with just one click. But that's not all. NordVPN can also look after you while online, preventing your card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, safeguarding your personal and sensitive information from harm. Think of it as a Cyber Sam Morsey, offering protection to your own personal back four, but with far fewer yellow cards. NordVPN is available for the price of a cup of Bovril per month, and one account can be used across six different devices. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday, or click the link in the podcast description for more information about the offer, and a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee trial period. You'll also be helping out the pod by subscribing. The headers continued. Burns had a couple of headers uh, at goal. Maybe one of them he should have, I think from memory, should have laid across rather than rather than go for goal. Um, and then shortly afterwards, he's uh, replaced along with Massimo Longo for Al Hamidi and Harness, where we now... Talk to me what, what formation we were playing once these two guys had come on. We were sort of going for it as much as we tend to do, as much as we've ever done under um, Kira McKenna-Seb. Um, but there's a slight, I think, tweak in the formation. 
Yeah, it seemed to be that obviously Harness kind of went more central, didn't he? With with um, with Morsey, and I guess Morsey was almost a one man kind of defensive screen, and it was everyone else kind of pushing forward. And at times, uh, Al Hamadi would be right up alongside Kiefer Moore, looking to win the the flick downs and stuff. Hutchinson went over to the right, which is where the kind of the the second goal of Kiefer Moore starts from. Uh, and Broadhead was finding pockets of space, kind of drifting in and and going out wide as well. So it was getting to the stage, wasn't it, where we just had to get as many attacking players on the pitch as we could, and you know Wolfenden and. Edmondson were really pushing up. They were on the halfway line quite a lot of the time and they were looking to make inroads into the into the Preston half as we were just launching it time after time to try and win a flick on or make something happen in the box in the dying embers of the game. Yeah, but it's quite interesting about we were still quite measured in our approach to the goal. It wasn't as if we were lumping it from front to back on the hope that it would just deflect off Moore's head into someone's path. There was still an element of patience and taking your time still trying to find the right angle to get to get the cross in and you would hope that over the course of the next week or so that would just be something that's worked on even more once we know what Kiefer Moore's preferences are in terms of areas of the box he likes to attack etc etc um Al Hamidi has a, a bit of a tussle to get into the box himself doesn't he in the inside right channel he's got a couple of guys in and around him on his back and he manages to get a shot away just not quite um getting on getting on target um but on 87 Seb, um, the guy that's going to fire us to promotion glory, gets his, his second goal on his second debut. Yeah, and as you say, it's, it, it comes from more kind of measured playing to the box, doesn't it? Wolfenden, I think, wins a, wins a tackle. Morsey wins a tackle, picks the ball up and looks to drive like we know Sam Morsey does. And he, he finds Hutchinson in a bit of space, I think, on the on the right-hand side. He drops a shoulder, goes past his man, put, stands up across to the kind of the back post-ish uh, where Leif Davis is, who knocks it back across goal. And then you've got both Moore and Alhamidi going for the same ball and kind of getting each other's way a little bit. Um, Alhamidi reacts really well, kind of gets mm. an effort off, which the keeper saved it's almost a point blank range isn't it keeper saves but it falls nicely for Kiefer Moore who gets up nice and quickly and side foots home and what three minutes to go and you're probably thinking five minutes or so of time to to add on we might get something out of this but yeah another kind of calm side footed nice finish by by Kiefer Moore after a bit of chaos thrown in when they were both going for the same ball yeah uh, it, it- and personally, I think it would have been lovely for Al Hamid to have scored that. Yeah. I think it yeah. ends up hitting Woodman's face, doesn't it, or something along those lines. It but wasn't, yeah, wasn't, as you um, goal of the season was it? No, absolutely not. But it was it was good, as you say, said so to have two of our strikers inverted commas within three or four yards of the goal. Both of them desperate to score. Both of them, you know, hacking away at the ball is just what you're going to have to do in, in certain times. Certainly in the 85th minute, wherever it was of a game where you're already three one down. It's just good to see that. And actually, the reaction from Moore was good to get off his backside and stay. He's up quickly, isn't he? For a, for a big yeah. guy, he gets up very quickly and obviously sides foot home. So, yeah, I guess we kind of thought maybe we might pull off a, a miracle, what it would have seemed at halftime. And I guess, yeah, we'll discuss the overall the game. But start suddenly with two goals from Moore, you're starting to feel a bit better about the whole thing, aren't you? Rather than how bad we were all feeling at the, at the halftime point. Yeah, gets up quick for a big guy. Um there's another more time for another more header. Uh, this time it goes it's straight at Woodman. We have a couple more shots, but unfortunately Preston weather the storm um, and see out the three-two win from their perspective. It turns into only our fourth defeat of the season. However, as we'll see later when we go through the uh, the results, it drops us down to fourth place, albeit uh, with Leeds above us having played one more game, I believe. Form-wise, um, we've only won one of our last eight games in the championship, which 
means we are 19th in that particular form table, the eight-game form table. Do either of you want to take a guess? Ipswich Town are 19th in the eight-game form table. Which three teams do you reckon are currently positioned one, two, and three in that same form table? I think we yeah, both know, don't we? So clearly yeah. the, the the three that have frustratingly eaten away at our our points gap and now sit above us in the league. Some of them, I mean, Southampton are just ridiculous, aren't they? It's, it's it's a new club record, isn't it? 21 games unbeaten or something. They are just absolutely relentless at the moment. But yeah, this is this is how it goes. We tend to have these mid-season mini blips, <laughs> don't we? Look what we did last year. I'm not saying we'll do the same thing again, obviously, but you know, we we, we this ne- never write off this side because now we're down to fourth. You know, the, the the pressure is well, it's never really it's never been on us, has it? It's always been on those three kind of they're, they're the three that have to go back up with parachute payments etc so yeah the, the pressure isn't off us because it was never really on us but maybe now we can quietly go about our business and hit another decent run of form yeah absolutely but so just in terms of the second half i'll bring up the stats very quickly for it as you can see uh, for those you're watching again this is the second half statistics um more possession 22 shots apparently in that second half uh with an xg of 2.44 nine shots on target Overall, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, Preston managed to score three goals from an XG of less than 0.75. Um, 25 shots for us, nine shots on target, but unfortunately, just a little bit too too little, too late. Uh, the momentum charts, which is sometimes a good guide, just goes to show the chalk and cheese of first half and second half, I think. Um, very much a... Uh, I'd say the, it's just unfortunate that the two goals that we scored in the second half didn't come during our initial peaks of uh, higher momentum, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, please uh, please feel free, everyone who's in the chat, get your, get your questions in. I see a few of them there already. Please put a cue at the beginning, and I shall endeavour to pick them up. Um, but just a question from me, and it's, it's been a, some of the questions in the chat. I'll see if I can find them as, as I talk about it. But... What do you think? What do you guys think we could have potentially done differently in the first half? Once we knew that um, Preston were starting to put that press on us, what, could we have done anything differently, or are we just so ingrained into playing a certain way in this style that it's just something that we have to keep doing by virtue of us being coached that way, or and or potentially because Caden Jackson, Connor Chaplin, Wes Burns, and Jeremy Simiato weren't having the greatest of games, so even a, a chip ball over the top of the press into them may not have come off Mikey yeah I mean maybe we could have um played uh Burns slightly deeper and kind of gone into a match them up in a wing back formation just for for a little spell and and then Gladke can clip the ball out wide to Davis and Burns because they would have been a little bit more free I think that was one of the big problems for us is we just couldn't get Davis up the pitch and Jackson basically had no channel to run into because basically Burn, Burns was up there alongside him and you end up with Jackson just playing with his back to goal through the middle, which just doesn't work. Mm. Um, I think we could have maybe just been a little bit more conservative in possession. I, I know that isn't our style and I'm not saying that we we needed to completely abort it. And this is after the fact. Obviously, I've seen us concede these goals Um that they're in the flesh, so I'm I'm kind of being the expert after the facts. But I I I always feel like on a pitch like that, especially as they'd clearly dried that half of the pitch up to try and stop us playing slick passing. Maybe we could have just played a little bit more safe. Um, and 
I, I guess the other thing that you do is you just move move players around the pitch a little bit more. Maybe you switch the the wingers, do, do little things like that. But to be honest, that's not really McKenna's style either, is it? Um, do you think there's a <laughs> excuse me? And I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, everybody. Please don't crucify me this. But do you think there's a lack of um, adaptability or freedom to make? your own changes during the course of a match because you'd think that if we can see from the stands that we're getting pressed the hell out of here and just to take a, a bit of pressure off at some point somehow just get because I know the long if you go long you risk the you risk losing the ball and it coming back to you anyway but in-game management or whatever you want to call it now do you think that the guys have got the freedom to make those changes should they feel the need to or I think we're so indoctrinated into the process that, you know, we've proven for 18 months that this style of football does work, doesn't it? You know, like Mikey said earlier, teams that press you high, that can work in your advantage because if you spring the press, you've suddenly got a lot of space to attack into, which is what we've seen, you know, countless times in the last 18 months or so. So, yeah, I mean, without without Kiefer Moore up front in the first, the, the logical answer in the first half is you start going long a bit, don't you, in the hope that Moore wins a flick on to play in Burns or, or Sarmiento or just holds the ball up and waits for runners to get in and around him and without him on the pitch in the first 45 there was no going long option like Mikey says all yeah. I could think you could do is to start to use the fullbacks more maybe don't kind of pass out to your two centre arse because you've got Will Keane and and that Reese chap straight on them just look to maybe go out to the the fullbacks a little bit more but yeah conditions didn't help but you know this this side is so so ingrained playing this style of football which has proven ridiculously successful that there's not always the the need to mix it up because we have such a huge body of work that proves how successful this is that you kind of, you know, you keep doing it. Like we saw with the Watford goal, you know, we conceded early on with the, the Watford mess up and we played out from the back even more, didn't we? And it's yeah. kind of, that's kind of our, our default response sometimes. But with a, with a keeper more up front, then yeah, you can change your, you can change your playing style, but that simply wasn't an option for the first 45. Yeah. No. Watford was that was a nice deck though, wasn't it? Like it was a yeah, yeah true. Yeah, the pool, the, the pitch was shocking, wasn't it? When yeah. when it was when when I kind of got up, I was up sort of a row thirty four, thirty five, so I kind of had a decent view of the whole pitch, and it just looked yeah, ropey as hell. Yeah, it was churning up in even the uh, practice, wasn't it? The practice goal area they have to the side mm. of the actual goal was like a ploughed field. By the time we'd finished uh, playing that, as Chris says here, the pitch was appalling, but we should have adapted better. You may be right. Um, I'm going to talk here just briefly about Kiefer Moore, if you wouldn't mind, um, guys. Um, as we say, he he won a lot of headers, a vast, vast majority of his headers. He was strong as an ox. There was a point in time, I don't know if you saw it, where he was running through on goal. I don't think he had the ball at the time. It was elsewhere, but he was breaking through the centre of the centre of the pitch and um, what's the captain? Brown, isn't it? Was trying to stop him, holding onto his shirt, and he just sh- shrugged him off and brushed him aside um how do you think he's going to be used going forward are is he going to adapt to us are we going to adapt to him um as you guys have already said he gives us a real um option for Hlaki now to get over that press it hopefully whether we've been sussed by teams either um, predominantly getting on Morsey and stopping him from twisting and turning on the edge of the box but it just gives us another option to dink it over the top um and similarly, long question alert, in relation to Trevor's uh, item here about Chaplin, who he says has been disappointed in the last few games, will his appearance now allow more space for the likes of Chaplin, Broadhead, Sarmiento, etc.? 
get, pick the bones out of that question if the Rebels won. <laughs> well, I think it was quite telling the first thing, like you said, the first thing he did in the second half was a flick on, which Chaplin got on the end of, didn't he? And was tearing through and I think it was deflected out or bundled out for a corner or a goal kick. So it's obviously tough for the likes of Broadhead, Burns and Chaplin without George Hurst in the side for the last five, six weeks. Their game has had to obviously adapt and they've had to, to do things slightly differently. Now you've got that that physical focal point presence up front back. I think we'll see a return to those kind of them arriving on the, the end of things after great hold-up play from the central striker. And I think we might see a bit of a return to the form they were in earlier in the season because you know th- their game is, is so dependent on getting in and behind that central striker which you just can't do when when Caden Jackson is your, is your main number nine <laughs> his game is about playing on the shoulder and pace and running the channels etc he's not one that's going to hold the ball up for you and so the likes of Chaplin and Broadhead can make runs runs past him so yeah I think that link up will bring the best out of Chaplin and Broadhead I agree Chaplin's been off it now I know he scored against Sunderland but he's, he's not really been on it for a little while now has he but he does score in purple patches so hopefully he'll um he'll go on a little run now in terms of will more adapt to us will we adapt to more i think it's a hashtag dave diamond little bit of both he's not going to be able to offer the same pressing is he that, that, that george hurst does um we might well see a lot more games if you have keeper more on your side logically you're going to cross a lot more in the air you know when burns and davis get past their man normally we look to pull back to the edge of the box or the penalty spot where chaplin is kind of lurking and we'll probably you know amend our game slightly looking to hit him because they just they just couldn't deal with him those preston center halves were, were big strong defenders weren't they and they couldn't deal with him in the slightest so we've got another big physical game coming up next week against west brom with with equally sized center halves and we might well change things up and and, and look to go more in the air to utilize his very obvious strengths because he's so strong isn't he and like you say that that first goal he was the only one that was going to win that header and score the goal and he must be an absolute nightmare for for defenders to play against yeah absolutely right a quick word from our friends and sponsors and we should be right back with a couple more questions Innovation Labs, providing co-working and innovation hubs across East Anglia. We're the perfect place for remote workers, freelancers, startups or innovators to do business. Our unique member network creates extensive business development and collaboration opportunities. Hot desks are available from £20 a day or £99 per month, with business coaching also available from £50. Innovation Labs, turning your ideas into multi-million pound businesses. Located in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, with new sites in Thetford, Norwich and Kuala Lumpur opening soon. And while I've got your promo juices running, um, we've got a promo with our friends at NordVPN, the famous NordVPN. Um, you can head over to NordVPN forward slash Blue Monday. There'll be a link also in the pod description and underneath the uh, YouTube vid um, where you can get a discount three or four months, I believe it is for free. Um, 30-day free trial, et cetera, et cetera. Should you ever require a VPN for whatever need, 3 p.m. Saturday afternoons. Um, and a couple of quick hellos and thank you very much is to Richard, um, who will ask your question to the guys right now. But thank you very, very much for your uh, contribution, Richard. very much appreciated. And also, as ever, David, thank you very, very much. You're too generous. Um, but again, thank you for your for your continued support. Um, going up to the question about uh, Kiefer Moore, who we've um, regaled sufficiently, I think. Um, outside of Kiefer, who else was most responsible for the second half comeback? Mikey? Well, I think just start, starting from the back, I actually thought um, Edmondson reacted quite well to a difficult first half. That um, couldn't have been difficult. That first 10 minutes couldn't have been easy for him, could it? No, and you and you do worry with Edmondson as well because he is a 
quite a confidence player, isn't he? And we've we've seen in the past when he's he's made mistakes, he's he hasn't looked the same player. But I thought he recovered quite well. We just managed to get Leif Davis on the ball high up the pitch as well, didn't we? Suddenly, Morsey's tackles were the ball was rolling and staying staying with him. Um, we were managing to to keep the ball in in midfield and. Yeah, Al Al Hamadi as well made a big difference when he came on. They watered that end of the pitch, um, and we were able to sort of zip the ball about a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, the the subs all came on and sort of did, did did their bit, didn't they? Hutchinson mm. was was closest to to getting the equaliser when he he cut in and had a decent shot. He went down the outside of the Preston players a few times, but yeah, it was mostly more just caused absolute havoc amongst yeah. those defenders they were they were scared of him and and we suddenly became really unpredictable because they they hadn't planned for for that type of football had they no that's right <coughs> um and it'll be interesting to see actually what happens should i don't know what the finances are involved in this deal but should he end up scoring 15 goals between now and the end of the season then you know i appreciate he's a, he's now in his 30s i think but you just do wonder whether he's going to make such an impact. And he's obviously, he's got the championship sussed, hasn't he? From his record, even before us, he's got the championship sussed. Do you think that uh, whether that be a deal to be done? Because, say, he just looks uh, a different beast. Fair play to the guy. I said it on um, on the transfer deadline day. Pod. Fair play to him and whoever's coached him since he left us because he just looks a transformed transformed player yeah, he? even when um the ball didn't come into him perfectly or he didn't get a perfect first touch he's just in control of his his body now and i can uh, tell you that and you might be able to agree with me both of you both big lads it's not that easy to have full control of your 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 legs um but he there was a few times where he he did kind of miscontrol it, but was able to quickly react and and just get a toe in and pass the ball back to our midfielders. But yeah, fair play to the bloke. Um, he's just a completely different beast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we go into the, the questions, just a quick recap, reminder, or even the first time you've heard of it, the, the shows we've got coming out this week. Bloody hell, it's a Seb Fest. Um, we've got... Not only have you got Seb on a Sunday night, you've got going to have Seb on a Wednesday where Seb and Rich will be chatting with uh, Gab, uh, Gab Sutton, in regards to their predictions and championship um, review, I believe. Thursday. Sorry, they did one in the summer, so it's just a recap of that. Yeah. Um, Thursday, we're back to normal, basically. Uh, The routine's back in place. So Thursday evening, live, Seb, 8pm, West Brom pre-match. Yourself and Rich. Um, and then this time next week, 8 p.m. Sunday night, we're back with the live flagship after the West Brom game. So, yeah, please keep an eye out. Please keep your ears peeled Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday going forward this week. There was also a narrow defeat for ITFC women for the second week in a row against league leaders play-up Pompey. Um a bit of huffing and puffing from town, according to our reporter stroke percussionist. Um, hit the bar in the first half, but didn't really do enough to get back into it. Um, next week, they're away at Cheltenham. Um, so in terms of, do you want to go through the results from yesterday at all, guys? Is there anything bloody Southampton? Well, piss off Southampton, as <laughs> Rich Woodward would say. 
Southampton won. Leicester struggled to a 5-0 win away at Stoke and probably got booed off by their fans like they did in their last home game, having won. Um, Leeds had a pretty comfortable win, I think, Friday night, all things considered. Oh, actually, I'll quickly get up the table because as we were um, driving home last night, we were going through, I always do the predictions like you guys do, me and Oscar do it in the car. The bottom of that table there has got some serious clubs, hasn't it? You think from Millwall in 16th down to 21st Huddersfield, there's two points separating a clump of teams, which includes Swansea, Blackburn and Stoke. There's going to be some, um, yeah, nervous nervous owners, you would have thought, and nervous fans down the bottom of the table. It's starting to really, really group up, isn't it, down there? Um, okay, so in terms of some questions, as you can probably imagine, there are along similar-ish lines, but we'll um, we'll poke them out and see what the guys have to say about it. Um, we need a plan B, Charlie says, um, but then Romeo is saying that uh, our plan B was that we've come out the window equipped for the second half of the season. Um, do we need a do we need a plan B or is, as ever, our plan B just doing plan A better with different players from the bench? Mikey? Yeah, it does seem to just be a first half is is trust the process. And <laughs> if if it isn't working perfectly, then at halftime, we we slightly change things. Usually just change the, the way that we're playing, the, like the aggression and things like that. Um, I mean, if, if this does, I mean... It, Conceding so early is becoming a pattern, isn't it? Maybe, maybe the mm. plan B would be to try and get to thirty-five ten minutes. minutes into the match, and um, yeah, or just ten minutes um, <laughs> at nil-nil, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and in, uh, go on, sorry, Mike, go on, carry on. Uh, McKenna doesn't strike me as the type of manager that 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 will massively change things. When when we kick off in the first half, we always play the ball long, um, and we just basically just accept that we just want to get high up the pitch, low risk strategy and just put the players on on the pitch. And exactly. Um, Brighton, who we've been compared to quite a few times. I saw the first goal that they conceded the other night against Luton and they played some like really beautiful, fluid passing and then lost the ball and Luton scored straight away. And I was thinking, I'm I'm glad that we don't do that from kickoff. And then I thought, hang on, we pretty much do it immediately after Mm. we've, given the ball away after kickoff. But yeah, maybe we will see um, a slight change against West Brom. Um, maybe the first time Hladke gets the ball, he chips the ball out to, to a winger or maybe even plays the ball long through the middle of the pitch up towards Moore and then we try and get runners around him. But yeah, it it, it does kind of feel like we maybe do need a bit, of, a bit more in-game management in the first half of games. Hmm. And maybe we maybe we go long first of all, just to put a bit of doubt into the opposition's mind, who thinks we're going to go short every single time we've we've got a yep. goal kick. Um, yep. Question here, Seb. They're both related. I'll put them both up. One from Richard. Does Burgess come straight back in, um, as he thinks he's done? Edmondson's done quite well. And then also from Andrew. <clears throat> excuse me. With Burgess back in the lineup and more starting. Might that make us more solid and likely to win in the future? And that sort of links into Mikey's point about how how do we make ourselves more solid is one of those ways by having Cameron Burgess in the in the back line. Well, Edmondson's done really well, hasn't he? Since he came in at Stoke, I think he surprised us all. We all expected Twan Zabi to be the partner for Wolfenden during this 
five six weeks while Burgess has been away. So he's done he's done brilliantly. McKenna clearly does like Burgess. He likes that left footed option that can make the big switch out to the the right flank. And obviously he adds the physical presence. You know, West Brom, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is going to be a physical game. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be that surprised. I think it's a bit harsh on George Edmondson. I think he's done pretty well. The the own goal yesterday. You know, it's 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 offside, so it's not really his fault. The deflection is unlucky. Um, but I wouldn't be that surprised at all if Burgess were to come back in because he will add that left footed option to add a bit of balance and that quick switch, that quick play, whereas sometimes Emerson has to check back onto his right foot, doesn't he? Um, and the, the physical option for defending set pieces, which is going to be crucially important against the West Brom side, who've got some some big old boys in the lineup. Hmm. I think Leif Davis is a much better player when we've got Burgess. He just sees hmm. so much more of the ball hmm. and he just and I think Burgess maybe dominates that left sided channel at the back a little bit better than Edmondson does. Edmondson has has done really well and he's slightly more mobile than Burgess. But but yeah, we do miss that that left foot in centre-back. And yeah, I, it might be a coincidence, but I don't think that we've seen as much of Davis bursting forward as we did when he was in the team. Yeah. Uh, a few questions here. I hope none of you guys have been um, copying each other's homework. There's some very, very similar-looking questions in the chat. Um, Richard, again, do you think we'll see more and Al Hamidi play together? One from Steve. Al Hamidi and Moore as a starting pair. One from Ashley. Do you potentially see Al Hamidi and Moore playing up front together? They look very threatening. And then, <clears throat> so Seb, you can answer that one. Do you think you'll we'll get a point where they'll both play together from the start only, of the match? Oh, no, only if we're chasing games. I think Al Hamidi can play out wide, can't he? Um, but we know McKenna's style of football is a is a single front option. So we're, we're not going to suddenly swap it around to go two up top unless we're like yesterday, you know, we're chasing games in the last 15, 20 minutes and we need those presence in the box to try and create something. So, yeah, no, I think Al Hamidi looks a great prospect. He's the probably the Jackson replacement long term, isn't he? He's the, the the quick option. And I guess he'll look to look to kind of step in here and there. I think he'll contribute throughout the season and he can play wide if need be. But I'd be astounded if we saw a major formation change that would be required to play two central strikers unless we're chasing a game going into the final the final minutes. Mm. And he, he was I don't mean he looked shorter than I thought he was going to be when I saw him um playing yesterday. But then he but spent an awful lot of time to... standing next to Kiefer Moore, Moore, didn't he? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Interesting. Um, and a couple of questions here in regards to uh, the weekend coming. Um, Romeo is asking about Sarmiento, who was poor yesterday. I thought he was poor in the first half. I actually thought... He was good in second, the second half, wasn't Second he? half, yeah, I thought he, he was much more lively. And I was quite surprised when he was taken off rather than Burns, actually, because I thought yeah. um, he was offering more of a, a threat than, than Wes Burns was. But, you know, obviously Burns plays a lot wider, so potentially we'd be using him to stretch the pitch. Um, Sarmiento, yeah. So does Sarmiento play for or play against his old club? Um, and then similarly, Neil, would you start more and how Hamidi? I know Seb, you just answered that. So we'll go to you, Mikey. Sarmiento, more and Al Hamidi on Saturday? Uh, I can't see Al Hamidi. Um, I can't see him starting. But I, yeah, I, I could see Sarmiento getting the nod again, although Broadhead was pretty effective when he came on, wasn't he? Um, I did. Burns started against West Brom last time, didn't he? And had a bit of a had a bit of a shocker. That didn't really work, did it? Um, West, I don't. I didn't see the West Brom right. game. I was, I was abroad yeah, at the did. time. I don't think anyone had a great game, did they? I know the, nobody had a good West game, but yeah, I think that's one tactical tweak that we could make is potentially play Hutchinson out out on the right, and then just go with our sort of silky, tricky players trying to get them around. 
um, around more. So if we had Hutchinson, Sarmiento, um, and who would be who would be the other one? Chaplin mm. um, playing in, in off off more. That'd be quite a different look to the the team that we've had recently with with Jackson and Burns um, and just sort of going all out pace. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it'll be interesting one, won't it? And it's going to be a, it's not going to be an easy game. No, it's not. And as Seb says, they, they're not they're not going to be short at the back either, are they, in terms of their stature? Um, and as Michael asked here about the question, Hutch or Burns on Saturday, I suppose, as I said earlier about having Burns, he does just stay wide, doesn't he? Whereas um, Hutchinson has the tendency, I suppose, to uh, to drift in. Um, but it will be something they'll certainly be working on through the course of this week, I do not doubt at all. Um, just a quick one here for Jason. Jason, that's not a question, my friend. We lost Hearst on Boxing Day. It's not a coincidence we are struggling. That's not a question. But you're right. It's not a coincidence that we are struggling. And so I think um, the knock-on effect is ripples down through the team, um, through the through the number 10s, for example. Um, big one here for you, Seb. Who starts Saturday? Um, or what changes would you make from the, the starting lineup from last Saturday? And then we'll come to you after that, Mikey. You'll have, you'll have to tune into the pre-match show to hear Seb's uh, <laughs> starting lineup for the West Brom game. And right at the very end of the pre-match show, so you're going to have to watch all of the pre-match show until <laughs> yeah. you get to it. Well, Moore is the 100% nailed on guarantee, isn't he? You know, Barring an injury, that would be astounded if he didn't start. I think Burgess will probably come back into it. Um, and then... Oh, Mullet in the car yesterday was musing over uh, would it have been a game for uh, for Lewis Travis yesterday, kind of to get stuck in in a combative central midfield, and I could I could see what he was saying, so I, I wouldn't be that surprised if he maybe came in alongside Morsey uh, to kind of battle with Mowit and the other guy whose name I can't remember. Um, tune in on Thursday because I remember his name by then. Um, in the middle of the park against West Brom, so Burgess for sure. I think more a hundred percent definite. Um, I like the idea of Hutchinson coming on the right, like Mikey. Just just said um burns has looked slightly off it the last few games coinciding with his haircut which i guess we're gonna have to discuss at some point um but yeah the uh more is the 100 guaranteed and maybe just travis just to make them central midfield combative and you know get get, get stuck in and and uh and, and try and win that particular battle because that'll be quite important yeah absolutely um eric there's no need to be bitter about things um talking about plowed fields etc you know we just have to take it not every Pitch with plowing is going to be a carpet, unfortunately. Yeah, but um, in in answer to his question though, uh, Swansea's pitch apparently is really bad. Um, is it? I think they play. Well, Os- do Ospreys still play Rugby. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and is Plymouth's pitch going to be really good? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we're going to have. To, yeah, like you say, we're going to have to get get used to it because this yeah, time absolutely. of the year you will play on some dodgy pitches. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think we, we were doing that that in our good <coughs> last, spell last season, weren't, mm-hmm. weren't we? So. Yeah. Uh, although our best results did sort of come at some of the bigger teams, but yeah, that we're going to play on some dodgy pitches. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think we're almost here. One last one from from Matt. Um, I hope you were uh, listening at the very beginning of the pod, Matt, because we did kind of go through this. But Seb, does dropping out the top two take a degree of pressure off of us? 
like I said earlier, I don't think it's on us, to be honest. I think we can now hopefully go quietly about our business. And what did Paul Lambert say once? It's better to be the hunted than to be... There you go. Yeah, like Romeo says, the hunted becomes the hunter. I remember Lambert saying that after we'd uh, dropped off the top of the table and dropped down to fourth or fifth or whatever. But obviously, that was a completely different scenario. So, yeah, maybe we can quietly go about our business. The, the fixture list gets a little bit kinder after West Brom, doesn't it, with the likes of Rotherham to come to Portman Road, Birmingham to come to Portman Road, Swansea away. So there are some winnable games coming up in the next kind of nine ten ten weeks or so so if we can just go about our business quietly integrate more and uh, and let's see where we stand uh, coming into the, the easter break yeah absolutely case of hold your nerve everyone i think is uh, is where we're at so that um, will right. drop points it will it will happen won't it i know they're on this incredible run ridiculous run but is it start of march or first week of march they're going to leicester so keep uh, <laughs> keep, keep in touch and hopefully at some point that will start to so what Steve is saying, they'll drop three points in March. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, all right, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your input. As I say, it's uh, good to see you yesterday. Thank you for everyone um, who's joined us in the chat. It's been absolutely fantastic. Lots of questions. Thank you very much for that. Um, as I say, this week, look out for our bits and pieces, our output on Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Hope everyone has a good week. As I say, just hold your nerve, everybody. Um, and he's here. We'll see you soon. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.